Here at HorrorOasis.com, we are advocates of the horror genre and strive to amplify underrepresented voices in the horror community. This space is for indie artists to promote their work. Please enjoy your stay, and hopefully it's not your last. Spacefaring researchers disturb an ancient horror. An enchanted object curses a grieving widow. A haunted reel torments a film student. A murder trial hinges on a chilling testimony. Howls from Hell. A new horror anthology from Hal Society Press. Stephen Graham Jones calls it quality horror by true believers who can write. With a foreword by Grady Hendrix, Howls from Hell unveils the horror writers of tomorrow with spine-tingling stories from P.L. McMillan, Shane Hawk, J.W. Donnelly, Lindsay Ragsdale, Amanda Nevada DeMille, and others. Available now in paperback, ebook, and audiobook from Amazon and most other major booksellers. Howls from Hell. out there this is alex jones and i would like to welcome you to deadhead space thank you alex jones this is a part of silver shamrock horror cast a podcast network that includes killing time with silver shamrock and unburying the dead where we exhume classic horror paperbacks for the new generation head on over to our website at deadheadspace.com to read articles by lgbtq authors such as tc parker eric laroca and Bree morgan I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host, Bren LaFaro. Say hi, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And today we are talking with returning guest, Matt Wildeson. Say hi, Matt. Ahoy, hoy. <laughs> Matt was last on the show in season one, July 25th, 2020. It's episode 21, if you would like to check it out. So this is kind of a very uh, big question, but... What have you been up to since then? <laughs> uh, tons. Uh, you're, you're part of some of it. And <laughs> uh, I recently had a new release this uh, year, about a month or so ago, uh, Melancholia. I got the book right there uh, from Des- <clears throat> Pardon me, Death's Head Press. I'm very happy and very proud of that. Um, I've got several different things happening in the background right now. Uh, hopefully to get maybe one or two more releases out before this year is finished. So, uh, yeah, I'm always, I, I think I have like seven or eight different projects that I'm writing currently in the background besides podcasting and working a full-time job. So I'm always busy. My wife hates me, but you know, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, I guess, you know, <laughs> Brennan, you want to jump in? <laughs> <laughs> No, no. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's you. You've been a busy dude since the first time that. Uh, well, I, I say we have you on, but uh, Pat had you on. I wasn't able to join you guys the first time, so you know, I know you already kind of 
took down our first question, which is typically what got you into horror, so you don't have to do that again on your second trip here. Instead, uh, let's jump right into talking about your new book. Just came out on June 1st, I believe, uh, from yes. Death's Head Press. So I always like to ask authors to give us the... Uh, Give us your back cover copy. Give us your synopsis, because otherwise, when we try to do it, we spoil the hell out of it. I see. Um, well, my my synopsis of it is our main character, uh, she makes a decision in the uh, family shed in the backyard that changes her life and everyone around her forever. And uh, when she does this, she is transported to a nightmarish world where she's forced to face a lot of her own inner demons of that she has, you know, been trepidized with all of her life up to her teenage life, actually. But, you know, when you're a teenager, you still feel like you've lived forever. So, <laughs> but yeah. And she, while she's there, she figures that, you know, things weren't so bad and I need to get back to my family. And, uh, that's all I'm going to do because it's, it's a short book. It's, you know, it's a novella. So some people have said they breezed through it in one sitting because they liked it. And other people, I think, still are reading it. So I don't know. Take that as you will. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, I like the cover, man. Who did yeah, the art? cover is fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, the artist, uh, I'm going to butcher the hell out of her name. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel Batsheva? Daniela Bet? Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, Daniela, if you're listening. Yeah, Batsheva, yeah. Shiva, Shiva, I don't know. There, it, there's one E, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm terrible at reading names. Uh, if you Letters ever listen, are hard. yeah. Well, I mean, we we did a on the the Ghostwriters podcast. We did a our Stoker Award nominations, and I butchered the hell out of probably one of the most simplistic names you could read. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, but yeah, she did a fan. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say we tried that once. I got the idea for, from listening to y'all on the on Brian's show, and um, I just thought it'd be fun. Yeah, we embarrassed ourselves, me, Brian, yeah. and Ken. It was a bad idea because we were like, "Works better if you've read the books." Yeah, we're like reread a lot, but not these because <laughs> we're reading wrong. <laughs> well, and it's it's tough when you're trying to pick for what you you think is going to win, and not necessarily your favorite people. Mm -hmm. So it's hard not to be biased with that. And uh, I, I ran into a couple of that when we did it the last time because we're just like, oh, you know, this this person's books in there. I'm like, well, the, that person's fucking awesome. But then again, there is these people that almost never lose. So I got to you know, what's the HWA going to pick? So but yeah, I, I butcher names constantly. So I'm sorry, Danielle, if uh, I, I messed up your name, but she did a fantastic cover. Um, I know a lot of people didn't get to see all of the covers that she worked on, but I saw like three or four other, uh, prototype covers and I would have been happy with any of them. She's very, very talented. I thought so, that was a fault to that. Sorry. I wanted, <laughs> sorry. I wanted no, to that's okay. I'll, 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 oh man, we're a mess. Pat, go we ahead. We are a mess. I was going to say, uh, about butchering last names, man. I did that to Brennan like in the first six episodes we recorded together. 
And I kept, I don't know why, his surname was just very confusing, but it's not hard. It's LaFaro. I almost did again, LaFaro. So, <laughs> Brennan, <Uh-oh>. save me. <laughs> LaFaro. <laughs> All right, Matt, back to you and, and, you know, enough of our bumbling idiotry. Um, so, you know, your synopsis, I, I, I would say it probably covers about the first chapter. And, you know, and, and I agree with you. I think that's a perfect setup for it. And then you really do need to just kind of dive in to see where it goes from there. So I, I have my own theories, which could be way off base, but I'm curious, what were some of your influences in creating this story? Um, well, growing up, I had a friend in high school that was going through a lot of trouble. And um, I myself, to some extent, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of it, but, you know, um, not everybody has a great growing up. Some, you know, as we all know from the communities that we're in and, you know, we get to know each other a lot sometimes and eventually some stuff comes out. But for the most part, um, my my past, I keep a little bit shrouded, but um, a lot of it has to do with uh, some of the stories and things that this person was telling me, you know, in high school. And it was one of those situations where, you know, they're talking to you about what's going on and they're like, please just don't tell anybody else. And as much as you want to, cause you want to help somebody, you're also, you feel like you have that loyalty to them. So you kind of just keep it to yourself. But, um, the stories always stayed in the back of my head and this was just something I always wanted to write. And, um, you know, I kind of didn't ask permission from this person, but I didn't use their name. So, <laughs> but it was just, I, I always wanted to write something based off of the things that we talk back and forth about. And in the sto- in the book itself, I never really went into extreme detail as to what our main character was really suffering from or what caused it. There were little bits and pieces here and there to kind of give you, uh, you know, a brief idea of what's bothering her, what bothered her to make her do such a thing. But, um, yeah, it's that paired with, um, some of the stuff in the book that deals with uh, parental figures that was kind of more geared from my end of the problem of, you know, a lot of the trepidation in the story. So I just kind of tried to mold both of them together and, you know, that's where it came from. It was a hard, write. Um, I know a lot of people can breeze out like novellas in a month sometimes. And this one took me about a year to get through. There was some really tough moments and there were times I had to actually just walk away from it. And then I just wrote, you know, short stories for the horrors on toll on anthologies and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I'm very proud of it. You know, regardless of whatever, what kind of a review it gets from anybody, this to me is, you know, this was a goal of mine to have this see the light of day, regardless if it was through a, you know, independent publisher or just by my own hands. I'm happy that death's head took it. Don't get me wrong. But uh, getting this book out there was something I always wanted to do. That, that's I was going to ask you that, man, if it was hard to write that. Um, I don't really know what specific scene I'm going to point out, but overall, do you feel like you kind of captured the tone of the story you were told from your friend to what you put in the paper? Like, this is a weird question to ask. I don't know how, for lack of knowing how to phrase it better, are you satisfied with how I told it? I, I get what you're saying. And yeah, um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it is. It is a weird question to ask, uh, not ask. It's a, it's a, it's hard to phrase that question. I'm not smart um, enough to know how to phrase it. <laughs> I need an editor. <laughs> I, honestly, I wouldn't know how to phrase it to you either, <laughs> like, but I get what you're saying. Um, and 
to some extent, yeah, I think I, I think as far as from my vantage point of being the person hearing the stories from her, I feel like I captured it as well as I could possibly understand it. Uh, you know, if it was her in the driver's seat, I'm sure things would be a hell of a lot different because there was, you know, even if you're the friend that's the shoulder that, you know, is being cried upon, you still don't get 100% of the story. And you'll never be able to understand the actual angst and, you know, feelings and depression and everything that that person's going through. So, you know, it is kind of that, you know, pass the word down the line type thing where somebody can just say applesauce. And then by the end, it's like apricots, you know, it's (laughs) so I I did. I did what I feel is my best to grasp the feeling that both I and her were probably having at those times. Uh, Bernie, why don't you jump in then? Yeah, so walk us through the process of getting this thing uh, in Death's Head Press's hands. Well, I have to say um, I had some help with that. Um, You know, obviously people know that I know Brian Keene. um, You know, whoever that guy is. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Byron Sleen, whatever his name is. I can't remember. Up and comer. Um, I hear he's good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Being with them on the horror show and I, you know, I was writing this and I I told him the idea and he said, you know, let me read it, you know, and I gave it to him. And that was, that was probably one of the most nerve wracking experiences in my life. Cause I'm like, I'm handing this guy a book that writes for a living. And I asked him to tell me what he thought of it. (laughs) And I'm just sitting there like, he's going to just basically return this to me with shit stains He's just going to wipe his ass with this thing. But no, he, he had very constructive criticism. He liked the story. He, he looked at me and told me like, you know, you can make, you can make it in this business. If you wanted to, you, you can do it. So I was like, okay. And, you know, but he did say, he's like, Hey, this does need work though. Don't, don't let that go to your head. Like you need to fix some shit. in there. (laughs) He's like, it's not marketable just yet. So I was like, yes, sir. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go try and fix whatever you need me to. (laughs) It was, uh, I think I went through about, I only went through about two drafts on this. Um, And that's kind of how I usually do a lot of my work. I I write an initial draft and uh, how it works now is uh, it it didn't work this way necessarily back then, but how it works now is um, I write my initial draft. I pass it over to my wife, who is my main editor. Um, I, I can edit, but I always feel it's better to have somebody else do it because you're way too biased of your own stuff. You're either going to like shit that makes no sense or you're going to take out stuff that's great. Like you're you don't <laughs> you don't do that. But um, yeah, I passed it over to her. And uh, after the rewrites, she was like, this is way, way better. I think Brian's going to like it. He gave me the thumbs up. And then it was like three or so days later, I just get this like email from this person I've never heard before, because I, I didn't know um, Jared's name over at Death's Head. I, I didn't know who he was. I just knew, like, you know, Death's Head Press. I knew that. I didn't know the, per- uh, the person that ran it. I just get this email from a Jared, and it goes, a little birdie told me you had a book. And I was just like, I mean, I guess. Is, 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 is this little birdie named Brian Keene? And he's like, just send it. <laughs> It was just like, stop fucking around. Just send me the damn book. So I sent it over to him and then I, I, I waited for 
oh, I think it was like three or four months. It was probably the longest time in my life waiting for anything. And I know that that is part of the deal at the, you know, I didn't know back then. I know better now, but you know, when it first started and I hand him this book, like a week goes by and I'm like, well, how long does it take to read a book? (laughs) (laughs) But he got back to me. It, It was, uh, it was accepted and you know, I was so I was so fucking happy. I was elated. I I I was like my first submission to anything and it got accepted. I was very very happy with that. So, that was pretty much the the behind the scenes progress of that. It's it's uh filled with some not so fantastic moments, but <laughs> you know, there's moments where the big wigs are telling me to shut the fuck up and just send it, you know. <laughs> yep. Speaking of Brian, when we had him on earlier in season two, uh, at one point he said, there's only one phone number where if it called me, and I'm paraphrasing, I would answer it right away or an email, and that's yours. And I'm like, why are you saying this on my show, Brian? Now he's going to kill me because everyone knows the end with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in case you've had a blown up moment, that is why it's Brian's fault. <laughs> <laughs> But indirectly, it's really Pat's fault. So hold him responsible. No, I, I, I can totally commiserate with you. I can imagine that's got to be nerve wracking because, you know, uh, you obviously know him a lot better than Patrick or I do. But, I, you know, just from our limited interactions, I can tell he's the type of guy that he's if he likes it you know, you can take that to the bank, but if he doesn't, he's not going to hold back. He's going to, he's going to tell you what needs to be fixed and he's going to tell you whether you've got that spark or not. So yeah, yeah, it's got to be nerve wracking, but it's also got to be a really good feeling to get that. uh, This needs work, but yeah, dude, you got it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was in the top 10 moments of my uh, past couple years, I would say. I was very, very happy with that. And he said, he's like, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass because I'm not that type of person. I don't have that kind of time. And I believe him. (laughs) He's he's probably as busy, if not 10 times busier than I make myself sometimes. So I know he he doesn't have time to fuck around. So it was it was awesome. That's great, man. Uh, Brendan, any more on on the uh, novella or. Well, yeah, and your writing in general. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the process of passing your work back and forth with uh, with Jamie. I, I'm so curious because my wife refuses to read anything <laughs> that I write. You know, I've been on calls in the other room and I can hear her in the living room and be like, what are you talking about poking eyes out? That's gross. You know, it's um, <laughs> so I, I can't even imagine that dynamic, but I'm very interested to hear about it. Um. I will say back in the very, very beginnings of things when I was first writing stories and and I had that like, I'm going to be the next this guy. I had such an unnecessary chip on my shoulder when it came to anybody editing anything. And, um, you know, God bless her for still keeping the ring on her finger when we went through these moments, because, you know, I'd send her I, I would give her something like of a story I was first working on and. She's just like, well, I don't really kind of get this, and maybe I should change it to this. I'm like, no, that's my story. No, no, you don't do that. That's my story, you know. And like, all these years later, all we do now is I'm like, hey, it's done. I emailed it to you, and then she just, when she wants to, she sits on the couch next to me and just reads it over, and I'm just there reading a book or something in quiet next to her. We really don't commemorate, uh, com- we don't really talk back and forth. Um, if there's something where she's kind of confused, she just go, hey, how about this? 
what's this all about? And I just lean over and I'm like, yeah, you can cut that out. That's stupid. You know, <laughs> it, it's, we, it's kind of like a finely tuned machine right now. And, um, I'm, I'm glad it is. Cause like I said, back in the beginning, it was, it was like trying to drive a car over like the Rocky mountains with flat tires. It, uh, was not a good experience. <laughs> That's but, funny. Yeah, uh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say that's funny when I started right now it like eight years ago uh, and I sent my wife the first short story I completed. It was a first draft. I didn't know at the time that that's a bad idea. Um, she gave it back because she used a red pen and gave it back. Uh, she's like, I can't get past a page or two. You mix your tenses. I don't know what's going on. This is not good. You fix fix all of it. Um, it's I I luckily think I pushed what it was about in the back of my mind. But I can feel you there, man. You guys I mean, do a great. You guys do a great job. Me a, oh well, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> she, she does. She, she's fantastic. Um, I I don't like like I think I said this back in July when we first did a podcast together. Um, there's a lot of uh, men in this world that make it places, and they wouldn't have made it there without the strong woman that stands behind them. So Stephen I, King. I, yeah, I I offer her. I don't. I I owe her a lot to where I've gotten right now. And even where I'm at right now, I don't really consider super huge or fantastic or anything, but like that book getting to where it got to is 98% her and 2% me as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, like I, I didn't know how well at first giving, having my wife be my editor was going to go. Cause most people tell you like rule number one is you never work with family. And, uh, <laughs> it, 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 she, God bless her. She has the patience of a saint and, um, you know, when she has to, she can be very blunt about it and just be like, Hey, look, I know we might get in an argument over this because I, I can tell this is an area that you're really excited about, but hear me out. You know, and it's like, this sucks. <laughs> like, okay, well, you know, here's this knife. Uh, right there. Stabbed it right in my spine. There you go. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I owe her so much. I, I I couldn't imagine what it would be like trying to do this without her. And uh, if anything ever does happen to her, I'm probably just going to quit because I don't know if I'll be able to do this. Um, I, I don't know if I'll find that same uh, spark that her and I have when we're editing and working together. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, once you find a team that works, I mean... Not the same thing, he ain't my wife, but if Brennan and I were to not be buddies anymore, at this point, I think I'd call it quits, man. I get it. Once you find a partner that works. What a segue that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I like hearing that, too. I, I think that's really, really neat. Um, and I've always kind of, I'm always interested in that dynamic because, you know, obviously during this, I just told you my wife doesn't care to read anything I write. Uh, she doesn't, she listened to one episode of our podcast and, uh, you know, she was very, she, she didn't have much to offer, which, you know, probably translates to me as you kind of come off like an idiot. So, you know, let's just leave it there. Uh, and then, you know, like, even during my day job, you know, we just have very different, you know, hobbies and interests. So, it, I, I always find it interesting when couples work together like that. Yeah. And, and I, I, I get what you mean. Um, with, uh, 
you know, you said like how your wife doesn't really like reading your stuff. I, I'm not even to this day, a hundred percent short. Now she's in the other room. So I'm just, I'm not sure she really likes reading my stuff either, but you know, she puts up with it. I, <laughs> no, she tolerates I, it. I'm sure she, I'm sure she likes it. Cause she does. If, if there's something where, you know, she gets through a chapter and she'll be like, that was really well done, but you need to stop doing this. Like she, she does. She does let me know. She's like, you're still doing this one tick. And I'm like, that is going to probably stay forever. Cause I can't not do that. <laughs> but Brennan, you want to dive into the anthology? Cause I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, absolutely. You want to take All us, right. take us away. So for audio listeners, I'm holding up the book. Thank you, Matt, again for this. Put a smile on my face when I, have a, when I was having a dark day and dark words as the anthology. All right, enough, enough with the cheesiness. But how will you tell us what it's about, man? Where did the idea come from? I know it's uh, it's you and your wife, Jamie, that edited it. And I think you guys – I haven't – I just got it yesterday, so bear with me. I haven't – I waited to get it in my hands to start reading it, so I haven't – dove in too deeply at the moment but i think you guys yeah. did a great job thank you um well th- the idea spawned from and this was again from something uh from being on the horror show um i don't exactly remember what episode it was in particular but uh brian had talked about a time when um him and his buddies used to get together and this was like way, way early on in their writing careers. And they would put these anthologies together just so they would each have some other sort of publication to have, you know, like, Hey, well now we have this. So it's another book. And, you know, they would just do this and bring in people that were just starting out that were good friends of theirs. And, you know, just to help boost things. And that sat in my head for a while. And, um, you know, it came about, I think, when did I, st- when did I start? It was it like December when I was messaging all you guys. I think it was around December last year mm. or November. Maybe, maybe it was around Thanksgiving, something Without like that. looking, I can't remember. Yeah, it was, it was like fall of 2020. I'd say when it was a I, while ago <laughs> reaching out. Yeah. Um, it just kind of came about, I was sitting there thinking about it and there was, a lot of the, the most of the people that are in this book. Now, some people have had other publications that are in this anthology, but there are quite a handful of them that never took the step to even self publish a story for themselves. And, you know, being friends with them on Twitter and I've seen, you know, some of their struggles and I know how that feels. Um, I just thought, you know, Hey, Brian used to do this. I think it's a fantastic idea and I want to help some of these people out. So I'm going to do this anthology. Um, I was scared shitless because I did not know the legal ideas of this. I didn't even know how the hell to write up a goddamn contract for this. Um, You know, I called Brian, I think one time and I was like, Hey, so how do I go about doing this? And he laid out some stuff and told me, you know, like, you know, make sure it it was more like, make sure you have contracts. I'm like, well, I know that Um, that's (laughs) how, the contract how's the con- and then that's where mary san giovanni stepped in she helped me a lot with uh how the contract gets put together and um yeah it just it it was a very scary learning experience because i i was like i've got 11 other authors and i want to do this right for those guys and um the entire time i was stressed and nerve-wracked to <laughs> to the oomph degree, because I'm just like, everything could, everything's going good right now. It's, it's nice. It's sailing smooth. 
but that's always when shit goes wrong. And I was sitting there waiting. I was waiting for something to just catastrophically bombard this thing and fuck it up. But thankfully it didn't. Um, it pulled through, uh, the, the cover art. I, I can't take complete, uh, complete control. Well, not control. I can't take complete credit for this. Um, Ooh, this is going to be another name. I'm going to fuck up. Um, <laughs> I, I, I did the graphic design of putting uh, the images together on the spines, cover, and back. But um, the person who took the photos is uh, Eglo, uh, Carl's daughter, I believe is how you would pronounce her last name. And I believe that's how I pronounced the first name. I think that's correct. Um, she's told me a million times I get it correct, but I always feel like I'm saying it wrong. So sorry if I said it wrong again or right. Sorry if I'm calling it out again. But... Yeah, all her art is what helped make the cover and everything. She's a fantastic uh, photographer. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the cover and all that stuff was... Uh, I was worried about that, too. Just because sometimes Amazon doesn't like to be friendly when you're designing covers. <laughs> and um, I've had that happen with one, with one book in particular. I think it was Horizontal Volume 2. It's a mostly dark cover and none of the font was near any of the goddamn edges. And Amazon kept kicking it back, telling me like, oh, the title and fonts way too close to the edge. And I'm like, where is it supposed to fucking be, Amazon? What do you <laughs> want from me, blood? <laughs> I just like, checked. I ran through our text messages because I remember because I looked at my email. And the, I've, the latest thing I got from you, the earliest thing rather I got from you is a contract. And that was January 21st. But. I looked back through our text messages. November 3rd of 2020 is when you said, hey, buddy, question for you. <laughs> <laughs> that made me so happy. I was like flipping out when you asked me that. That's about how I started everybody's text. <laughs> I was like, hey, bud. <laughs> hey, friendo. <laughs> and I mean, I, it was it was it felt a little bit like herding cats in the beginning because it was a lot of the same question. You know, over and over again. And then I, I was like, hey, well, why not create a Facebook group? This might make this easier. <laughs> it made it maybe 10% easier. <laughs> create a Facebook group. And then it's like, well, I don't really use Facebook. I'm like, can you can you please just for this one site, please just for the group. Just after we're done, you can get rid of everything. I, I swear, I don't care. Um, but it, it was once once everybody knew where we were and then uh, the contract got out and everybody knew exactly what everything was to be done and what we were looking for, minimum and maximum word counts when it's supposed to be coming out. And, you know, it, it went real smooth then. Um, if I am going to do this again, which I'm thinking I might try to do another one of these down the road. Crazy um, bastard. <laughs> well, you know. There's crazy bastards out there, and Gabino's another one. Uh, yeah, that man, yeah, I yeah. swear to God, he just likes to beat himself into a pulp and then just reforms into Gabino and then does it all over again. Um, his his arm, uh, the width of his arm grows every time yeah. he does it. <laughs> I mean, if that's what you got to do, I'll start doing that. <laughs> it's like, is that how you get buff? You just fucking blow yourself up. <laughs> um, but yeah, if I if I do this again, I'm going to give myself a much bigger window for the editing because that for me personally was my biggest mistake. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know the behind the scenes of this um, in the contract, the 
deadline was like March 20th. The book yes. was going to come out May 20th. Mm-hmm. I gave myself a month to edit, design, <laughs> uh, you know, finalize and, you know, put all the text together and make that look good. I, I was a fucking moron to only give myself that much time. Um, <laughs> we, my wife and I sat probably on that couch, which we actually bought a new couch after this, too, because the old one was just like fucking destroyed from just like slouching and slamming around shit and everything. Um, you know, we we barely saw outside for about a month. Um, and uh, I still have to I will say all the stories, though, even though we sent some of them back and some of them had a lot of like notes. I think the the biggest one we had was like four or five pages worth of editor's notes. They were still all really enjoyable and, you know, very inventive. Um, the idea I thought with the folklore thing would was a really nice, easy way to get people to maybe come up and like use their brain to come up with some kind of, you know, interesting idea based off of something that already exists. Cause I know for some people starting out, the hardest thing is trying to come up with just an idea for something to make it work for you. And, you know, I loved, I, I love reading folklore books. Uh, every Halloween, I, I have like stacks of them. <laughs> I just grab like four or five of them. And that's like my Halloween reading. It's like ghost stories, monster stories, you know, cryptids, all that kind of stuff. And I really love that. And I think I just came off of reading all those and it was November and I'm like, Hey, yeah. Yeah. great idea. Let's do this. So it, um, I, I, I couldn't be more proud of this book. Um, I'm proud of everyone that wrote a story for it. Uh, I think it turned out fantastic. And, you know, there's there's names I'm keeping in mind if I do another one. Uh, maybe we might even throw some new names in the hat. Maybe make 20 authors, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. Um, this book was fucking humongous at the end of it anyhow, so I don't know how much it would cost to make a 20-author book. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I... It, it was a it was a nightmare in the editing part just because I didn't give myself enough time. Yeah. But if I if I give myself proper more time, it, it would be probably a much more enjoyable experience. Um, and I was surprised. And Brennan, please jump in after if you got anything to pinpoint. I was surprised that you went with Dandelion Publishing because I thought you hated that nickname. Uh, you know what? I'm trying to embrace it. Okay. And, um, <laughs> I thought of anything people people remember the dandelion thing from horror show and you know when the horror show ended that was probably one of the saddest fucking moments of my life so I wanted to have that lineage carry on somehow so I was like well if I'm going to make my own press it's going to be based off of something that came from that show so dandelion publishing that's where it came from I mean you know I'm just going to throw I don't think I told you this but after that show ended that as a viewer who loved it, man, like that hit hard for me. I I don't listen to podcasts like I did because once that ended, I, I don't know. It's like you love something; it's not there ever again. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. Uh, Brennan, why don't you jump in with something not depressing before me and Matt cry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. We'll we'll continue down the road. So, Matt, I I definitely want to talk about your specific story. The devil comes this night. But actually, yeah. before we do that, um, I'm gonna 
I'm going to demote Patrick to guest and I'm going to promote you to co-host momentarily because I want to talk about one of the stories in the anthology here. A uh, story called Moral Malice by a an author called Patrick Rub-a-dub-dub McKenna, I think it is. Um, <laughs> he's throwing for a loop, did not know he's got to do this. No, no, that wouldn't be fun. So, uh, Patrick, can you give us just a little bit, you know, we, we just mentioned that this is kind of based off local folklore uh, and, and not necessarily retreading a, you know, uh, a complete true story, but something where you take uh, an idea or a historical event that, you know, your area is known for and put your own spin on it. Tell a story based off on that. So tell us where you got your little piece of local folklore. Well, I'm from New England, from Bridgewater, and uh, Richard Gerlach is, he lived, he grew up near my hometown, and he said that he was going to do one on the Bridgewater Triangle. I was like, all right, that's, you know, I don't think they need two of that. So I was like, well, I live in South Jersey, and the town I live in, um, eh, fuck it, it's in the book, Maze Landon, um, <laughs> it's in the little lore part, it's not a mystery to find it. Whatever, I live in Mays Lane, and I've never, I don't think I've ever said that until now, but, uh, like, 0.3 miles away from my house is, oh, great, I'm saying, hey, stalker, come find me. <laughs> it's this, uh, Trestle Bridge. <laughs> don't stop me. <laughs> I'm not editing this out. Whatever. <laughs> There's this bridge, and it used to have a, it was a newly, it was about six or seven month old track that connected Philly to Atlantic City for the first time. Uh, the year was 1880, and um, it was a group of parishers. And it was about 80-something people, uh, parishes all over the Philadelphia area. And um, they took this train to Atlantic City. They were spending the day there on the beach, and it started to get... It, it's like someone wrote this as a horror story. It started to get really bad weather-wise. as raining, thunder, lightning. So... Uh, all the uh, wooden cars were overstuffed with passengers. There were two trains that left uh, for Philly. And um, one went six minutes before the second one followed. For some reason, the first one had to go on the side end, the sidetrack. But the two cars on the first train that were in the rear, they weren't... The side end wasn't long enough for the train to be completely on the side in so two of the cars were on the bridge and it was a one track bridge the second train that was behind it ended up uh, not seen in time it ended up the way it's described by the historic society here is a telescope so it like uh, the, the engine of the second train basically just destroyed the first car or so of the first train uh, the boiler on the engine overpressurized it exploded. The wooden cars were treated. They were like a conduit for 200 plus degrees steam. Uh, critically injured 30 something people. I think it was like 50 something that were um, critically injured. 30 something that were killed. Um, there were two little girls, twins that were never found again, which I thought was creepy because I live right near it. So I'm like, oh, I might see some Stephen King twin ghosts. That'd be terrifying. But, um, there was this one conductor in the first train. He jumped out of the way before the second train drilled the first one. So I write from that guy's perspective. Only something bad happens to him. And uh, in real life, the first responders were 
Maze Landing um, citizens. So they would bring them, the survivors, to their homes. That would be like a makeshift hospital. And a lot of those makeshift hospitals turned into uh, morgues because people died. They, you know, there's not medicine. You can't call someone to come help you right away. And um, I, I just made it where I fabricated the boogeyman. I love Candyman, so I use nature as a kind of a kind of an element with this boogeyman. And uh, I'll leave it at that because it's like the thirty-five thousand word story. So I'm just going to ruin it if I if I say any more. So that's right. Huh? You said thirty-five thousand word. That's that's oh, did I? Story. I meant thirty-five hundred. Jesus, that'd be a that'd be a novella. (laughs) (laughs) And when I told Matt, I got nervous because I was like, "Well, I don't know if this is folklore, but I think it is. I think it's like an origin story. I know it is now, but I, I mean." I was really proud of it. It was the first story where I actually felt like I am becoming, uh, I'm finding my voice. And that's because of you, Matt, your anthology. I've been doing this for like eight years now, and I'm not kidding. This was the first story where I'm like, I think I finally found my voice. There's a beautiful combination of you and your wife giving me the opportunity. Uh, Beta readers like Brennan and uh, Ronald Kelly, Shane Hawk, uh, Eric Raglan. I'm probably missing someone, but... Tyler Jones, I had a lot of elements that made me finally come to what I'm happy with and consider a good writer now. So thank you, Matt, and thank you, Brennan. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'll, and I'll vouch for that. You know, th- this was this was definitely something that, uh, you know, I've, I've read a lot of Patrick's work, and he really poured his heart and soul into this one, worked his ass off, and, you know, uh, really took advantage of that. It it's due by March twentieth deadline to just go over and over and over this thing with a fine tooth comb and make sure that the story that presented itself in your anthology was the best it could be. Uh, so Matt, as co-host, do you have any questions? They don't have to be serious. You can ask him what color his nipples are. <laughs> I think I've seen that before. As he takes some shirtless pics with him and his kids sometimes. So, <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Man, that sounds way worse than what it actually is. Oh, my God. It's true. Yeah. No, it's not good at all. I'll find them on Facebook. You want me to find them? They they are. Yeah. God damn. You're even joking. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) I mean, I... I don't really know what else to ask you about this story just because I was along the line, along the ride for, like, a lot of it. Um... I guess the only thing I wonder is uh, how annoyed of me did you get where I kept asking you, like, I think it was every other day, like when it got close to the deadline, I'm like, hey, uh, where the fuck is this? <laughs> I wasn't annoyed at all. I got annoyed with with like myself because I never know when I overstep my bounds with anything, really. <laughs> mm. I understand. Um, yeah, I just I was wondering that because I was like, you, you weren't the only one. I'll put it that way. There were like maybe four through five other people where, you know, it was like March 23rd <laughs> or something or like I can't I think it was March 20th. It was like, you know, a day before. And then it was like that afternoon. Then it was that evening. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, I said midnight and like I'm watching the clock tick. I'm like, I got one more motherfucker. Come on. Give me that goddamn story. And it was just like email. I'm like going to bed. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) 
I uh, I went through like nine drafts. I sent it to Brennan like three times, and then Tyler would send me notes. Ronald Kelly sent me notes, but like I had, I'm like Brian Keynes. I think I think this is something he's gonna read, and well, I guess this is his first and possibly only impression of my work. <laughs> what were you nervous to send him that? Because this is your first published book. I'm I'm a host now again. <laughs> You don't um, get to decide that. <laughs> you don't get to. I'm the one that podcasts. Um, uh, you know, I, I guess maybe it's just because I've known him for a little while now. I, no, I really wasn't that nervous about it. And I guess maybe it was because, um, you know, it was 11 other people's works. And <laughs> um he he was very supportive of the whole thing, obviously, because he wrote an introduction to it. Uh, a very, very nice introduction. Uh, he probably got really tired of hearing me uh, say thank you uh, for it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I he, he was a really big help with all of it. And I again, another thing of him like being there for me that I always will appreciate. And I need to learn to stop thanking him because he's probably going to stop being my friend if I keep saying that. <laughs> I feel that way about you because you're I'm sorry to cut you off, but like I give you and Michael David Wilson all the credit in the world when I was thinking of actually approaching people to start a podcast. I, I already talked about this, but Brendan wasn't here for the first time. I mean, dude, every time I asked you a question, you were there. You were like, anytime you got a question, people are all talk sometimes, and you weren't. And Michael David Wilson was, and, and you guys are people I look up to for this, and I always think about you guys when I'm. If there's another podcast I'm doing, I'm like, well, Matt will just do it, so fuck it, I'll do it too. <laughs> Don't do too much. <laughs> I will tell you, it gets I'm, really fucking old. I'm trying um, not to. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the podcast load is getting lighter, and I can't say that I'm I'm sad though, because it's you know I I love doing the work that I was doing for like Mary and Brian and all them, but at the same time, it's like I can breathe a little bit more. And when you start, like a lot of people don't understand how much fucking work actually does go into podcasting, you know, from the, from the listener base, they, they hear the show and they think, you know, you're just there, you record it and that's it. It just shows up magically and everybody listens to it. And it's like, no, there, there's a lot of shit behind the scenes, especially if you're getting it like ready for Libsyn and stuff like that. Like editing, depending on how your computer wants to be that day, can be a ginormous pain in the fucking ass. And um, like Grindcast, for example, I don't know why this, this is going to the technical things again. Um, like Ghostwriters podcast, my computer will process all of that shit without a problem. Without an issue, it'll load it in like seconds. Grindcast, it is the slowest motherfucker when it goes to processing the audio into Audacity. And I sit there and give it, I stare with daggers at my computer every time. I'm like, why? Why are you doing this to me? Speaking of Grindcast, man, I just checked. You, you have 416 episodes. Yeah, that's probably a testament to not knowing when to quit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, in, in recent episodes, I've even made that joke before where they're <laughs> like my friend Will will just be like, yeah. And then this guy, you know, this thing, they, they keep doing this and they don't know when to stop. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> what, I wonder what else that sounds like. This fucking show, right? Um, <laughs> 
I, I kid about that, but I do like doing that show, but I, I don't know. The I, I know someday it's going to end. I just don't know if it's going to be soon or like in a another couple years or so. But at the same time, I'm like, it's been six years. I think there's enough Grindcast that if we were done, people would still be able to have Grindcast to listen to. But I don't know. Man, I, I like doing it a lot, but at the end of the day, sometimes it's like, okay, when you look at your schedule and you're like, Monday, I have an open evening so I can see my wife then. I got to make sure that I don't write that day then so I can see my wife. So then I'll write on lunch so I can get a thousand words in because I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to do the Stephen King method, 1K a day. So that's what I like. Lunch comes around. I'm like fucking chowing down on a fucking sandwich and just like, <laughs> like just fucking going to town. I'm just like fucking baloney's hanging out of my mouth. I'm like, <laughs> So Monday, I'm like, okay, I get to see my wife. Then Tuesday night, we do Ghost Riders. Then Wednesday, free night, cool. Thursday, grindcast. Friday, editing everything. (laughs) I got two free nights during the week. Weekends come, and then there's, like, other shit that comes up, too, with, like, work and everything else. So it's like, you know, I like being busy. I've always kind of been that type of person, but you do hit that point where you're like, you know, I've done this fucking podcast for six years, and if I had an, an extra free night, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. Maybe someday it'll we'll get like Joe Rogan famous, and I'll be like, hey, cool, I'll keep doing it now because I make money from it. <laughs> oh yeah, stuff can't get over it. Wasn't it still like $200 million to be exclusive with Spotify? <laughs> That's insane for a fucking podcast. Yeah, I'd do it for half that. Me too. <laughs> Dude, I'd do it for a fucking coupon for a Big Mac. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> you're be like, I'll frame that fucking thing. I'm like, it's not my first dollar, but hey, <laughs> the podcast made me something. <laughs> Brennan, your turn. I've been talking enough, man. All right, I'm, I'm going to bring us back a little bit and, and, and make it good and awkward because I'm going to ask you another question, and Matt's on this call. I want to know how the uh, editing process was, Patrick. Um, I liked it when I sent it to Matt. It was, like, full of edits, but, like, they were really good. And I told him this. I, I said it publicly. This is the first anthology, and this is only the fourth one I've been published in, but this is the first time I've actually had edits. <laughs> so it's weird, like... I didn't like the first four experiences of not being able to have an editor be like, Hey, here's what I think needs to get changed. Like nothing. Um, so it was awesome. And him and Jamie had, um, they had one example where it stuck out to me. I'm like, how'd I miss that? Where someone's tongue was cut out, but later on there's dialogue. He's like, that wouldn't work. And I'm like, oh, you're right. <laughs> At no point was I upset was I mad or anything? I was just like, he's making my story better. I like this a lot, and I want I would work with them again. Nice. Well, that's so nice of you. Aww. I mean, I'm only sad because you're on the call. Oh, all right. <laughs> I'm just joking. It's true. I have the text messages where he absolutely curses you out. But oh, <laughs> let me give you my email. I want you to send them to me. Okay, <laughs> will do. All right, all right Patrick, fun. you're officially demoted back to host. Uh, okay. You're welcome. Say thank you. I thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> Matt, let's. 
Very confused. Matt, let's talk. Let's talk about your story. Uh, okay. The devil comes this night. Um, so I, I want to hear a little bit about the local lore that goes into yours, but it, it kind of uh, revolves around circuit preachers, which are objectively concerning and creepy, you know, in their own right. So give us a little bit on this. Yeah, well, this book I found again in a local folklore uh, collection. I, I think I got it from a yard sale. Um, I, I was reading through most of the stories and, you know, it was all the standard fare. Like in my neck of the woods, it, they, you always hear the same four stories like the Akamak Inn. There's this one uh, small plantation. It used to be a plantation, but they turned it into a bed and breakfast hotel thing. And then oh, there's ghosts in there, you know, and all. But this one, it just seemed a little bit more real because it's like, well, yeah, back in such and such times there were these things called circuit preachers and they would, you know, ride along in the dead of night, you know, on these rudimentary roads on horseback and they would make their way to a church and they preach there for a while. And then they would have to go to the next one. And like, it was just a constant rotation of preachers. And, uh, the, I think it was freeborn Garrettson was the name of the preacher in the story. And it was the name of the real preacher that this happened to as well. Um, he was riding along to get to his next stop, which just happened to be a church in good old uh, York, Pennsylvania, my hometown. Um, I'm not going to tell you exactly where because I don't want you to stalk me like you're going to Patrick. Um, but so uh, dumb of me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was just making his way along and he heard these cries of a woman in a farm cabin and being, you know, a preacher. He was decided, you know, it's his it's his life. He's supposed to help out those in need. So he stopped to see what was wrong. And uh, she basically it, it the story is not anywhere near as dramatized as the one I wrote. It ends very uh, kind of not that fantastically. She just tells him, like, I made this pact with the devil and he's coming to get me tonight. And, you know, he just kind of absolves her, like says some prayers and leaves and her husband's outside in a barn. And he's just like, hey, thank you for coming. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, no problem. And he just rides off into the night. That's basically the real story in the folklore. But, you know, upon reading that, I'm just like, you know, there, you could take this in a much more sinister direction and actually have it be like exorcism and all this stuff. And that's where I took it. I was like, I want Satan to come to this farmhouse and fuck shit up. <laughs> you know, I, I want this to be the scary story that I was hoping it was going to be when I was getting into it initially. So that's basically where my idea for it came from. I, I didn't really divert too heavily from the actual folklore. So I guess maybe I was the more slacker than everybody in this book. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's, that's the story that I read initially and gave me the idea to do this entire anthology. Now, uh, I forgot who we talked to, but they said that the first story and the last story, the bookends of an anthology or collection, are probably the two most important stories for, like, tone. Um, okay. How how'd you decide on the order? Well, I didn't really do it in that sense to make them the, more, the most important. Uh, the first story was the one that I set my sights on the most. Mm. Um, I put myself in the end just because I wanted to do that gracious host thing where this is everybody that I asked you to come here to see. And if you want to stick around, I have a story in the back of the book. 
that that was my approach to it. It wasn't that I was like thinking my story was better than anybody else's. Right, right. I just wanted to. I threw myself at the back end because, in the grand scheme of things, I could have published this without even having a story in it if I wanted to. Um, the first story I picked that uh, I think it was Leone Smith's story, mm-hmm. uh, "Transcepts in Time," I believe was the title of it, and um, this was when we had every every story was finally in, and uh, I think hers was the third or fourth that I edited. And when I got to it, it just uh, it kind of blew me away. It was it was very, very well written. It reads very easily, in my opinion. And just the story itself, uh, it grabbed me because there wasn't a moment in it where and I, what I'm going to say sounds bad, but it makes sense at the same time. There wasn't a moment in it where I completely understood what the hell was going on. But that's only because there was so much. Uh, mysticism and crazy stuff going on and in the story that you're just like, how? What the, the, the Like, part of this church is from the past now and we're still, the presence over here, like, holy fuck! And <laughs> for, for a time travel-like type story like that, I think she wrote it very well that even though it was somewhat like, oh my god, all this crazy shit's going on, you still could grasp what she was telling you. And you didn't feel like you were lost in like this weird paradox of like, how does this time situation work? And wouldn't this happen if you travel back in this time? And wouldn't this be here now? It it was just, it worked very well. And, um, she was one that when we got it all together, uh, told me first off, she's like, I I don't really write horror. Um, and I was like, Oh, well, I mean, you don't have to, if you don't want to, but she was like, no, no, uh, she was a friend of uh, Aglo's because okay. I was like, I want to get another female writer in here because I felt like it was like, you know, not only a sausage fest at first, but it was like, we need female authors. There is not enough recognition. I want to get more in here if I can. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, she recommended her to me and I was like, okay, cool. She's like, I don't write horror, but I'll give it a shot. I'm like, Hey, you know, just do your best. It's fine. We're, you know, a lot of us, this is our first rodeo. It's okay. But she she gave me this story, and I did not think it was going to be as good as it was. I will say that first off, just because she said, I don't write horror. <laughs> and I was just like, fucking fantastic. I have got to make this the first story. <laughs> That's a great answer, man. Brennan, what's going through your head with this? I, I got to hear it. I mean, I, I haven't gotten to that one yet. I, uh, I I read Pat's. I wanted to read Pat's finished version. I read your story uh, so we could talk about it. I read Cassie Daly's story and I read Rich Gerlach's story because it takes place like 25 minutes away from where I am right now. But I haven't gotten to that one yet uh, as, as wait, much wait, as I can myself. Where do you live, though? <laughs> I, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not an idiot. No, he, um, you know, he did the proper thing. He put a decent radius around where he lives. Like yeah, eight 25 minutes, miles. Literally a mile down the street from my house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just take a left and. <laughs> yeah. You take a left, there's a Carl's Jr., and I'm right down the street from that. <laughs> okay, in all seriousness, do you have Carl's Jr. down in Pennsylvania? Yes, we do. Oh my I don't even God. Know what that I... is. What? It, Carl's Jr. is like the the uh, it was it's basically like Hardee's, but they just call it something different so they can have more locations. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's one of those that is pro- those uh, locations that's probably not quite as good as I remember it being, but I have no access to it. So I kind of have glamorized it in my mind. 
Um, <laughs> but, uh, but my wife is originally from Oregon. I won't give you the address she lived at, though. Um, and, you know, like we, I live in an area of the country where it's, uh, you know, you, you want you wanted something with a drive through. You can have McDonald's or you can have Burger King and that's it. Otherwise, you're shit out of luck. Um, mm-hmm. So. I, in my mind, I have like glamorized Carl's Jr. and Jack in the Box and all that good stuff, but that's off topic. That's not important at all. So, <laughs> what I was saying is, you know, I, I've hit a bunch of the stories. I've still got a few left, um, but that w- that one really catches my interest because the the idea of uh, kind of time hopping is really hard to get right. And I don't just say that from the writer's perspective. From you know, any any time you read it there's a lot of people who don't do a wonderful job with it. So, I mean, to, right. to, to tell me that, that, that one nails it down, that, that gives a lot of cred in my book. Matt, yeah, you know I, what? I, um, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say my earliest draft was a jump from 1880 to a present day where I based the main character off of Laurel Hightower. Her name was Laurel and she wrote, um, nonfiction of haunted places. And her mom was a fictional ghost story writer, which her mom in real life is a, I don't know what she writes, but she's a, an author as well. But the word count, man, to make that actually be good, like compelling, because I had cut each, you know, scene with so little words. And uh, I think it would need at least like three times the amount that I put in. Uh, so at the end of the day, Tyler Jones, I think, was the first to say, I think you should just focus on one or the other and it works. And that's all I got to say, man, that shit ain't easy. Just to back up what Brennan was saying, time hop from one to the other seamlessly. No, no, it ain't easy at all, but she, she pulled it off very well. And, you know, she thanks me up and down that she was the first in the book. And I'm like, Hey, as far as I'm concerned, you earned it. I, I was, I was very happy with her story. And I was also very happy that, you know, the very and it's not it's not for optics or anything, but I was very happy that the very first story in the book is from a female author, but not just a female author, one that doesn't normally write horror. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and well, and that's the other thing. Like, I want to show people that because that's an argument that comes up a lot is like, you know, why do you write horror? Because a lot of people don't get it. You know, they're like all all the genres that are out there. Why why pick this one? And it's like horror is very transcendent of all the genres, in my opinion. So I, I was really tickled pink to see somebody try it and do so well at it. So I, I was just very happy to have her in this. And she she will be if I do it again, she's another person I'm going to reach out to. Cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. So real quick, I'm going to jump back to the other two I mentioned because I really just skimmed over them. You know, I I read Rich's story because it's, you know, local to me, uh, but I thought it was really, really well done. He did an awesome job of jumping back and forth between present and, you know, giving us plenty of splatter. But also, you know, the relationship stuff, the quieter stuff that he put in there, I thought he did a really, really great job with, you know, people picking up this book who haven't had the opportunity to read anything by him before. Uh, I think they're going to enjoy that one. Agreed. This, uh, I believe, was his debut uh, story in anything. And um, yeah, he 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 did. He did a very good job. Um, I know when he first sent me a copy, uh, the his story, I, I 
had somewhat of a feeling he was a little nervous about it. I don't know if he would ever tell me he was, but it was just he he had the he was checking up, you know, that kind of <laughs> did you get to it yet? Did you get to it? Yet? I'm like, no, nah, I'm get, I'm going to I'm get there. I got there. You know, there's I hate to say it, but you're in you're in a queue right now. <laughs> I've got like all this. But, um, you know, and it excited me to get to his story because seeing somebody who, you know, they, they ask you, did you get to this yet? Did you get to this yet? Like that to me tells me that you really cared about what you sent me and you're excited to find out, you know, where you sit and, you know, how your writing is, you know, if you really need a lot more work or if you're like right there and you nailed what you wanted to hit. Um, I, I was actually very happy that his story went the way that it did. Um, because a lot of people sometimes get uncomfortable with some of the subject matter that was in his story. And, you know, I think I had somebody, I had a couple people ask me, uh, where was I going to put, you know, any sort of a warning or something? And I said, well, I think this stuff is commonplace. So there really shouldn't be any reason to worry about this. And it, it was not really anything his story anyway, with the relationship aspect, there wasn't anything to really get upset about anyhow, but I was very happy that it was in there. Um, plus just where his story starts to where it ends. Talk about a fucking downward spiral of just like a million things just happening. And then it's just like this kind of like beautiful, but yet melancholic ending comes in and you're just like, Holy fuck. And That's this awesome. is a guy who write wrote the first time, you know, this is his first fucking actual publication. So I'm sure. And I, I, you know, Rich, if you're listening to this episode, I want you to know, um, I've got your back. If you're going to publish anything else, um, I will be more than happy to jump in and help be your editor. And, uh, you know, I want you to keep going, dude. That's great. I'm definitely going to relay that. Brennan, I thought you had something else. No, I thought I thought you were going to follow up. You were going to relay that with, uh, you know, something else. That's okay. So, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm really excited to dive into the rest, even just, you know, with the teaser you gave me with the first story. And, you know, I would tell anybody listening, just based on the quality of everything I've read so far, go buy Dark Words because Matt needs to pay off that new couch that he broke editing the book. Um, <laughs> So, Matt, last time you were on, I couldn't be here. But... <laughs> okay. Last time you were on, I couldn't be here, but you guys talked about Grindcast. Since then, uh, you started Ghost Riders, and you've always you uh, Ghost Riders, not Riders. That's a that's a flame headed comic book character. Um, <laughs> it's, Cage. You... it's not. It's, you know, you might think that, but no, it's not Nicolas Cage. Let's let's dispel that right away. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about, you know, how that came to be? Yeah. Um, when when the horror show was ending, uh, Mary and I were texting back and forth a couple of times saying, like, you know, originally our first plans were like we, we may have to try and get Brian to maybe change his mind. Um, <laughs> But and I think that was just the knee jerk reaction. I everybody wanted him to change his mind at some at some point. But, you know, after the time after it ended and some time went by, I was like, yeah, this this needed to happen. It needed to happen for Brian. And I'm more than happy now that he's actually, you know, in the place that he is. And so is everybody else, because, you know, it was it was going down a road where 
you know, I'm sure at the very beginning, the content of the horror show was meant to help people. And then it just kind of became more of a cross to bear. And, you know, when a lot of the subject matter that was coming up toward the end of the show was a very heavy nature. Yeah. You kind of just can't keep doing that to yourself. And it became even more personal when it was some people that Brian actually knew. So it was just like, it was, it was time. So when we, when we knew we weren't going to be able to persuade Brian, um, you know, Mary and I were talking and I was like, well, maybe we should, would you be interested in starting another show? You know, we, we kicked the idea around for a little while and then we met, we eventually landed on it and, you know, Dave Thomas was in on it and he wanted to be a part of it. And, uh, I was like, well, we need, we need one other person. And the first name that popped into my head was summer cannon. Like right away. I love summer. She's a fantastic person. She's a great writer. And I'm like, you know, her, her insight on writing is, you know, very pertinent to have for the episodes. So I, I'm really glad that she, you know, came along for this crazy ass ride. Um, so we got the, we got the, we got the members of the Avengers together. So then it was like, when do we record? And it became nighttime. I, I, I missed recording in the day with the horror show. Cause I'm that person. that's like, let's get shit out of the way. And then we're done. You know, um, but I get it. Not everybody has schedules that they can, you know, make all that kind of shit work. Um, <laughs> but it's fine. You know, nighttime's fine. Um, but we were like, you know, well, what was it going to be about? And I'm like, well, we should write. We should do a show that's about, you know, writing. Because, you know, when you start out and that's one thing I, I was fortunate enough to have some of the friends that I had. But before I met them. And I was just writing stories at home, putting collections together, thinking like, oh, I'm going to publish this someday. You wonder how the hell you do this. And then you search online and the information is not very helpful whatsoever. So I, that's why I was like, we need to do a show where we give useful information to people that are just starting out. So you don't have to like, you know, go on wiki how, and they're like, oh yeah, you just write a book, send it in, send it in the mail. And then, yeah, you're a published author and you're rich, you know, <laughs> it's, it's that fucking easy, you know? So that, that was the idea. And, um, being the crazy ass people that we are, the show has kind of started spiraling into a, uh, an amalgamation of everything. Um, you know, as you can tell from the titles of our show, it starts off with like, you know, writing 101 and now we're up to like full hot dog and <laughs> it's just it's but and that's fine I, I made the joke the last time we were recording is there was just a bunch of really really uh crude humor i'll put it that way i'll put it pg wise and i just like slam my head on the table and i'm like i, ha I had ambitions for this it was supposed to be educational <laughs> like what are we doing <laughs> But no, I love those guys. I love I love that team. And uh, I hope that podcast sticks around for a while because it, it's become a part of my life. And as you know, if we can keep giving out information to people that need it for writing, I'm all for it to doing it until I'm prune faced as far as I'm concerned. That's great. Sorry, I muted myself. Um <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really awesome. I saw that down here. I'm like, why do you keep muting yourself? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just so like stupid noises don't pick up because I often move oh, around okay. and whatnot. Um, yeah, so I was really excited when you first 
announced that you guys were all getting together. I love listening to all you guys, and uh, it's just, you know, it's a fun show. Um, Brian mentioned, I'm not looking for an answer, but it, it's fun to talk about and to think about, at least for me. He mentioned one thing towards the end of the last episode, and it was something about, I think other shows will cover what I cover. Or, I'm paraphrasing. He said that he thinks he already sees it. I I have talked about with Brennan a lot. I don't know who he's referring to, but it's fun to think about because for at least for me and him, like we would never do the news aspect because uh, as a as a listener, some of that stuff, man, it stressed me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of it toward the end was not fun to cover. Um, I'm not exactly sure who he saw that started it. You know, if they if they, they picked up the mail or not. Um, when we started Ghost Riders, it was the first episode. I was like, we're, we're not talking about this kind of stuff. If you see it, don't message us about it because I we don't want to deal with it. You know, so whoever whoever wants to do that, you know, that's on you. But I will tell you right now, it is not uh, it, it's a very bumpy road to go down. It's not you know, it's not covered with macadam. It's potholes. It's boulders. It's dirt. It's mud. It's terrible. So think really hard before you go start doing that. <laughs> it's it's not good. It's why I think that like your shows could go forever if they wanted to. It's why I think this one could go forever if we wanted to. The only like current event we'll talk about is in I'm not trying to say one thing's more important than another, but I kind of am like Black Lives Matter when Philip Fricasi started that uh, I think it was a GoFundMe. Like we're gonna talk about that. It's a big deal. It affects everything. It's beyond horror, but there's so much fucking drama, man, from day to day. No one gives a shit about that outside of a few circles. It's just it makes you upset. Everyone's mad. No one listens. It's just so awful. I would. I yeah. don't know. I mean, the way I always looked at podcasting is, you know, you're an entertainer. So it's your job to help people get away from this bullshit, because if they want to uh, if they want to be a part of it, there are a million avenues where they can just dive headfirst in and start throwing blows for all the crazy topics and, you know, political shit that's going on. So I like to make shows where you can be like, hey, I need to laugh because life fucking sucks. So (laughs) let's go. uh, Let's go listen to these shows, you know. That's so morbid yet funny. I don't know. <laughs> so let's jump into what are you reading? <laughs> okay. Matt, what are you reading? Currently, I'm reading uh, Jonathan Jan's The Nightmare Girl. Uh, that's going to be our next uh, uh, book club. Jesus, I forgot what the fucking phrase was. Um, yeah, it's going to be our next books, book club in uh, Ghostwriters podcast. And then... Uh, my back burner book other than that is I'm still trying to get through a uh, Stephen King's later here and there, but it's like I said, it's like a chapter here and there. And then I got to put the book down and focus on this other book. Um, I like doing book club stuff. Just the only problem is, is whenever there's a major book that comes out that I really want to fucking read <laughs> and it's like, Oh, new book for book club. I'm like, son of a bitch. I just finished the other one. Damn it. And you know, <laughs> there are people that can fucking read a, that can read the Bible in like three days. I am not one of those people. I, I don't have the time to sit down and read a whole lot. And I, I hate that. Cause I would love to just blow through my entire library. If I could, I've got way more books than I will ever read before. I am six feet under. 
Um, I've made the joke to my wife before. I was like, I would prefer you cremate me. That way you can just throw all the fucking books in there with me and just kill two birds with one stone. Cause I don't know how the hell you're going to get rid of all these. Um, but yeah, that that's, I'm reading Jonathan Jan's nightmare girl. I'm enjoying the hell out of it right now. So far. Um, he's a very fantastic author and, uh, I've made this joke to him a couple times. I, I think he, he caught it once and he said he would do it, but I said, Hey, you need to come up with a Jans of the month club <laughs> <laughs> where it's like a box pres- box subscription. And you just send out Jans books, like different ones every month. And I was like, dude, you'd make a fucking killing if you did something like that. And it comes with a hug. Cause like that man is just like the, f- <laughs> the friendliest son of a gun in the community, man. Yeah. And he's handsome to boot. Oh man, yeah, he rubs it in. And he's got hair. He's got nice hair on his head. That <laughs> bastard. <laughs> eh. I don't get I don't get upset over hair anymore. I'm glad it's gone. <laughs> Less maintenance, right? Yeah. I just sneezed really hard and it came out the bottom of my face. That's <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. Brendan, what are you reading right it now? Is, the, the hair is very high maintenance, I'll give you that. Um the <laughs> no, night the the nightmare girl that's a fantastic one my my favorite part of that is uh it i think he wrote it as part of the um uh forward or you know dedication or something but uh the main character and i think it's the sheriff or whatever in that book have this very like the 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 dialogue and the relationship between them is definitely uh Jans's way of saying, "Hey, I really like this Lansdale character." It's a lot of fun to read between those mm-hmm. two characters. Um, I am reading. Uh, I'm slowly working my way through Nightmare Yearnings by Eric Raglan, um, and the best thing I can say about this is, I don't know exactly how to describe it. It's a short story collection, but it's you know, it's weird, it's fun, it's serious, it's heavy, it's it's. I'm not even halfway through it, and it's just got such an array of, uh, you know, different types of stories. Uh, Definitely one of those, you know, you say there's something in there for everybody, but, you know, and that seems so cliche, but it's absolutely true with this one. The other one I'm reading, um, I actually just started this this morning because I saw uh, uh, Brian Keene's Labyrinth book go up for uh, pre-order, and... I, I was really intrigued by the idea of this like culmination of mythos. And he had put up um, a page that said, if you want to understand what the fuck is going on in this book, you should probably read all these other books first. And I said, you know what? It'll take me like a year, but I'd like to do that. <laughs> so I'm starting with this one that I'm long overdue on reading. So I'm oh, reading Rising. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I that has been sitting on my bookshelf for about two years now, and I, you know, and and, and I I've put it off long enough. So I dove into the rising this morning, and you know, it's 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 awesome so far. It's you know, you you hit the gas on page one, and it doesn't look like it's going to let up anytime soon. So yeah, it has a happy ending though. I've heard. That's what I hear. <laughs> Not controversial at all either. <laughs> all right, so. So I am uh, I'm pleasure reading now. I'm making time to pleasure read, and uh, I'm doing one that's long overdue. Clive Barker's The Book of Bloods, Volume One through Three. Um, the only one in it I've read in the past was uh, the um, oh, God damn. How do I keep forgetting this? Hellbound Heart. 
And I'm going to read again because that's a fantastic novella. And the other story I'm finishing up is Ride or Die by James Newman. Comes out tomorrow. Well, the tomorrow of since we're recording this, not when this episode is released. But yeah, it's a uh, it's got some twists that I didn't see coming, and it's my first Newman read, and it's pretty damn fun. Um, so that's it for me now. Listeners, let me remind you, deadheadspace.com, the month of June and long after, you can check out uh, three of our articles by LGBTQ authors for Pride Month uh, by Bree Morgan, Eric LaRocca, and T.C. Parker. Also, while you're there, if you are inclined, go to the store tab where you can find my mug on a coffee mug, a mask, and so forth. And uh, Matt, let's just jump to it. Where can people follow you? Well, you can follow me on Twitter. That's the one I use the most. Uh, Facebook, I pretty much just stick to my... Well, if you, if you want to go there, too, you can search for Horrors Untold on Facebook. That's my horror group that I have. You can just ask to join, and I'll probably let you in. Uh, <laughs> the secret word is uh, kumquat. Um, <laughs> use it in a sentence. Uh, use it in a sentence, yes. Um, you can... Follow me also on Twitter at Matt underscore Wilderson. Uh, my podcasts that we've mentioned, you can catch all 400 plus episodes of Grindcast at grindcast.libson.com. And the Ghostwriters podcast has a Twitter at the GW Podcast One. It's also available on Apple Podcasts along with all the other major podcasts. Yeah, I, mean, I'd, I know a lot of people say that, but I'm like, you know what? If, if you're listening to it already, you know it's there. <laughs> <laughs> What are your final thoughts, noises, sounds, really anything, Matt? What you got, man? Well, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, maybe next time uh, we can do it sooner than almost a year later. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> that would work. I mean, you got enough in the. You got enough in the. Uh, I don't know a word, man. Words are hard for me tonight. Yeah, Back you got on. a lot. You got a lot of uh, projects you're working on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm really excited for the one I'm working with. Uh, and he was also in the book as well. Simon Paul Wilson. We're doing a yeah. uh, collaboration together called baggage and we're almost done with this. Um, I can't wait for this to come out. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it. Nice. Brian, final thoughts, sir. No, I'm just glad I got to, uh, to, to sit in with Matt. Like I said, I missed the first one that, uh, the first time you came on, we had a scheduling issue in that our person who makes the schedule, didn't consult with me. Um, <laughs> idiot. What an idiot. <laughs> what a dummy. Um, but yeah, no, I'm glad we got to chat tonight. Uh, I, you know, I really enjoyed melancholia. I really am enjoying dark words. You got a lot of great stuff going on right now. And looks like you got a lot of great stuff going on in the next year or so ahead. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It's nice meeting you too. Finally. Yep. My final thoughts are that I think that you're, you, you're just a diamond in the rough, man. You got a bright future, like Brian said. Um, I, I'm excited to see what you got next, and please let us know when the next book is available. Oh, it definitely will. Uh, next episode, listeners, is episode 98 with James Newman. That is this upcoming Monday, three days from now. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You have many choices in podcasts. Thank you for picking this. You are now leaving.
deadhead space. Well, uh, hello there, and I would like to welcome you to Deadhead Space. Thank you, Alex Trebek. This show is a part of Silver Shamrock. Stop, stop. It's not Alex Trebek. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, what the hell is that? <laughs> the good name of Alex Trebek. <laughs> God fucking damn it. Back to the grave. <laughs>